Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal. listeners welcome to the adventure seed podcast a random roller podcast where every show is different i'm heather i'm uh, 20 possibilities we rolled a um well it's heather's favorite comic series for monstrous issues one through six volume one of the graphic novel if you are into that and it's by marjorie lou and sana gata for our adventure today we also rolled for drinks. I rolled up a juice box, and so I'm drinking high C Bop and Berry. And Whitney finally got an Allen special. So stick around and see what chaos we come up with today. Awesome. Um, so it blows your mind that I am not a fan of this comic series. It blows my mind so much every time you say it, I just turn my ears off and pretend I didn't hear it. I was talking to uh, Aaron at Nirvana the other day and uh, was telling him how much I don't like this comic. And I had to reread it and freshen myself back up with the storyline because it's been a couple of years, I think, since I've read this. And I just and you like, you like it more now, right? No, right? I don't. I like it less. <laughs> um, I was suckered into this comic because it has won a ton of awards in the industry. And in the last years it's won 18 overall um in uh, award winning industry i can't even talk i'm so uh, blah about it it's won 18 awards in the comic book industry there we go and all of my friends and all of the comic book peeps love it and neil G gaiman even reviewed it saying that they take western eastern and western comics storytelling traditions and styles and create something wholly their own and remarkable. A beautifully told story of magic and fear, inhumanity and exploitation, of what it means to be human and the monsters we all carry inside us. Also, some of the best cats and comments. A delight. And that's a Neil Gaiman quote. I worship the ground that man walks on, and I can agree with him that it's some of the best cats and comics. And it does tell these that story pretty well, and it is it is very unique. I will give him all of those points. But I just don't care for it. Okay, we'll get into it because you can like I've talked for a minute. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm You're. I'm not like. Anything. I'm like on the edge of my seat, like, what could someone possibly not like about this comic? Uh, so for me, coming to comics, um, I teach you all, I teach you all last episode about um, why I started reading comics again and how Monstrous was like my gateway drug into comic books again. Um, uh, my background is manga, so much so that I got a minor in manga studies in college to make my English degree look more useful. And so what I love about manga is that the storyline is finite. There's no retcons. There's no changing it. If somebody dies, they're dead. 
And in a lot of comic books, especially Capes and Tights comic books, if a character dies, well, then some event happens. Time travel, alternate universe, whatever. And a character's back in a few issues. And that just, that feels so gimmicky to me. And so when I started dating my husband, he was like, how can you possibly not like comic books? And I explained that, that feeling to him. And he said, oh, well, not all of them are like that. You should try independent comics. And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, not all comics. Got it. Whatever. But every week I found myself going with him to pick up his pull box. And he would sit there and, and gab away with the owner of the shop. And I would get bored because I don't care about anything that they're talking about. And I would wander the store and just look at the covers and, and cringe at all of the skimpily dressed superhero girls from some of the older comics. And one day I landed on Monstrous and I love Teen Punk, love it. And I love Eastern style art and I love manga. So Monstrous had that Eastern art manga feel with a lot more depth. And it also was steampunk. And so I started like browsing through the first issue and I bought it. And then I went back the next day to buy issues two and three. And my, my then boyfriend, now husband, added it to his pull list for me. And I was hooked. I could not get enough of that book. So Monstrous is my first comic book love. And that might make me like a little bit more biased to love it. But I really feel like it's such a well a well-drawn story. And I feel like it's a well-told story. But I, I would love to know what you don't like about it before I gush on and on and on about everything that I think is perfection in that book. So um, you're saying that it's, we've not really ever talked about this in depth before. Uh, no. In, in all the different variants of book clubs, comic book clubs, girls' nights, uh, podcast attempts uh this is our this is the one that kind of got off the ground running but you know we've we've tried to talk about monstrous many a time and i just kind of shut that conversation down um and it, it's because like i don't i don't like to bash or talk negatively about comics written by females and illustrated by females Understandably, because it's a hard industry for females to be in. It already is, you know, and the fact that they've got it, they're doing it, and it's so popular and it's won all these awards, you know, I'm all for them. And I I can I can appreciate the value of something without being a fan of it. And I, I think that we're a lot of the geek world doesn't do that for each other. Like I, I like I like to read certain kinds of books, but that doesn't mean that a book I don't like isn't a well-written book or isn't a great book. It's just not for me. And this is one of those comic books. I don't really see the steampunk. There's a lot of art deco and a lot of Eastern inspired like mashups. Um, mm -hmm. There were some steam, like a lot more steampunk elements at the beginning. I've missed them entirely. And that might've helped me like it a little bit more. But I'm a practicing witch, and this book is primarily about the 
the continued cultural bashing of witches. <laughs> and I can, I can definitely see that. The Kamiya or Kumaya, or I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. I've always pronounced it the, the Kumaya. So the Kumaya is, is essentially witches. Yes. And it's a, it's a legion of witches. And I, I just have like this whole, the whole book is this monster, monstrous lady. She looks very humanoid, but she's warring with this enemy of witches. And it's just like, I can't watch The Witcher. I don't, I don't enjoy reading or watching The Witcher. And I don't really enjoy, I live, Twitch was made for people like me because I love to watch people game. I can't watch people game The Witcher. I just, it's a beautiful game. I, I love, I love the in-depth. It's a, it's great mechanics, blah, blah, blah. But I don't, I don't like the continued demonization mythos story of all witches. I definitely can understand that aspect of how you feel about this book. So talk more about the Kumeya and why they're being presented this way. I think it's important for listeners to know if they haven't read this book, that this book is taking place after some sort of great war between the, these witch people, the Kumeya and the humans. Um, the humans do not like magic. The witch people, the Kumeya, are not born with magic. They have very little magic in their blood when they're born. They get their power by taking it through this process from a group of, of people called the Arcanics, which are animals, human descendants that have magical powers. And so... When the human war was between the Kumeya and the Arcanics, I didn't think maybe, maybe it was like their own. Like there's three factions, the way I understood it. Unless yeah. we're wrong. No, there's definitely three factions. I always so part of the problem with this book, and one thing that a lot of people express not liking about this book, is that our main character Micah is an unreliable narrator. She does not have a lot of her memories. And so the things that she doesn't quite understand, the reader also is not going to understand. A lot of it is kept kind of secret from the reader. And yeah. so as the reader, it is really hard to find out who started this war, who was on whose side, who ended the war. We know a giant cataclysmic event happened to end the war, but Micah doesn't know what that is. And so we, the reader, also don't know what that is. And so we're getting a lot of information from Micah through poor memory, false memory, planted memory, or characters telling her how it happened. And we just have to trust them. And so what's important to know is that the, the Kumea gain their power by extracting it from the animals, the Arcanics. The humans don't really like the Arcanics. The Kumea use the Arcanics. The Arcanics don't really like anybody either. Humans also occasionally have witchy powers, but not like the Arcanics or Kumea. There's a lot of mistrust between these groups. 
Well, and on the Arcanics, you keep using the word animals, but they're sentient. Right. They're, yes, they're, they are the animals. They are humanoid in, in their features. They talk and walk um, on two feet, you know. So the, the, the main character, she looks very humanoid. Like, she looks like a human. And they talk about that throughout Volume 1 or Issues 1 through 6. They talk about her... Don't let don't let her human side fool you, and the right. the humans and witches that are like they essentially enslave the arcanic. Yeah, and it opens the the book opens book one volume one page one opens with a slave trade like it's a mm-hmm. slave auction and. The the big bad villain at the top, or in volume one anyway, the big bad villain is Sophia, and she. I want I want to love this book so much it hurts my soul that I I can't love it <laughs> because it's beautiful. The 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 her her gown is this beautiful black gown with a phoenix or a bird embroidered in gold on it. It's Art Deco is all throughout the architecture the like the it's it's very rich in the art and the the way everyone's facial expressions are done this artistically is one of the most beautiful comic books ever in my opinion i definitely agree that this is like to me this book is sheer eye candy and one thing i love about um sana takeda's art style is how empowering it is for the characters like (laughs) The book opens, and one of the first pictures you see is Micah Half-Wolf in chains at a slave auction. She's mostly nude, but there's nothing, in my opinion, over-sexualized about her. They don't even draw nipples on her. Like, she she still has that power in her body, even though she's enslaved. And later you learn that she put herself in that position. She deliberately got captured to be at that auction, to be bid on by Sophia so that she could eventually escape and question her for information. And so like, even, even as a moment as a slave, Aika has, has empowered herself in that position. And I really like that that is drawn into the art that, that all of these women characters, whether they are acting on the side of good or acting on the side of bad, that all of them have empowering moments and i think that is shown in the art and the way that that sana illustrated this so beautifully yeah i agree with that sentiment um so something else that i'd like to talk about at the art um would you would you like to review the book a little bit like do you want to talk through the first issue a little sure so the book opens with um, Micah through the slave trade infiltrating the Kumea house in Zamora. She's let herself be kidnapped and sold at auction um, so that Sophia would take her. Micah, and you see this in the in the, the initial panel illustration, she has a giant tattoo on her skin of what she calls the eclipsing eye. Um, this eye is seen on so many pages, even even pages that don't have Micah's skin, this eye is everywhere in the the thematic imagery of the novel. Absolutely. Um, the, 
The eye is believed to be associated with the monstra. And at this point in the storyline, we don't know much about what the monstra are, who they are. We think they're another group similar to the Kumea or the Arcanics. But Micah doesn't have a lot of information on them, so we don't as the reader either. Um, once she is in the place where she unleashes this power, and we learn that she has an old god living inside her. And these old gods think something along the lines of like new powerful when we talk about these old gods, because they are all powerful. They really don't care about the people on this planet. Like they have their own agendas. Um she ends up freeing some of the slaves. Um, she also awakens this god more inside her. She steals a photograph of her and her mother and a piece of the mask. And Micah feels that this mask is very important, but she has no idea why. And she knows there's more pieces out there. So we as the reader are left with yet another mystery. As she runs away from this place, she's joined by Kippa the Fox and Wren, who is a, a nine-tailed cat. Um, the cats are also like their own completely separate group species. They're not considered Arcanics. Arcanics don't trust them very much. They were used as spies in the war. Um, so cats are yet another subgroup of species in this world. Um, they end up getting chased by a group called the Inquisitrixes. They're sent by the Mother Superior, who is one of the Kumea. Um, a lot more happens. Of the demon inside her. You went a little fuzzy there, sorry. You putting up with our audio quality, because we are still having to record online primarily due to you know, we we both work, or I, I I go in and work. Your husband goes in and works. You've been going in for training recently because you're going back to school uh, for teaching, or not back like your actual job, like as a teacher. So right. we've, we've we're having to kind of stick with this. So I apologize. We're still recording uh, online. So um, you went a little fuzzy. Sorry, Heather. Um. So they they meet the Inquisitrixes. Um. They end up getting away. Uh, we also learned that within the the Arcanics, there's different courts. There's the Dawn Court and the Court of Crows. We meet some of those characters in this novel. Again, we are left with more questions about whose side these people are on. And I say people, these are the Arcanics, so there are animal people. Um, it's important to keep that in mind when we're dealing with humans, non-humans, animal humans, because things get messy. Um, what is it? A very dark series. Like, if you're squeamish yeah. about blood, don't watch this. If you have some triggers, like, there's so you know, in in I think it might have be been an issue one where they're where she's taken into the prison. Yeah, is it there's like one or is it issue two? I think it's the beginning of issue one when she's been sold as a slave. There's like an, an intense torture scene where they're extracting the ilium from the arcanics to make the Kumea more powerful. Yeah. And, and there's, there's, um, 
there's a couple of like insinuations of you know the the guard torturing people with a cattle prod um mm-hmm. in in very unkind ways and it, it kind of it like artistically and in the narrative it shows you that the people that are considered the monsters or the monstra because that's that's two different things so the the monstra is like this ghost construct that we keep seeing in different animal forms but they're very massive and transparent and only only certain people can see them not everyone can see them and then you've got the uh humans and you've got the witch the witches that are essentially humans um but you you've got the human side and it it, it repeatedly shows you how depending on what side of the battle line you are, who is the monster at that moment. And the humans are frequently shown as the, the true monsters in this book, in my opinion. But then when, when Maika visits the night court, or sorry, the dawn court, um, Garen was watching the show night court the other day. It's like permanently stuck in my head. When, <laughs> she, when she visits the ancient of the dawn court, um, we learned that the monkey king, Aku, has taken a bunch of human prisoners and he's torturing them and interrogating them to gain information about the whereabouts of this cataclysmic weapon that was previously used against them because the the arcanic court wants to get this weapon for themselves claiming they want it to never be used again but it's also like that mutually assured destruction attitude if we have it they can't hurt us we can hurt them um, so it's almost like this war isn't over. It's just reached a cold stage. Well, I guess that's what I meant by it depends on which side of the battle line you are on. Like mm-hmm. on one side, it's the humans that are the monsters. And on the other side, it's the Arcanics who are the monsters. So show it continuously shows the worst parts of whomever we're watching. And it's like this battle, the battle brings out the worst in, in both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and uh, I want to stop this conversation about like all the sad shit, and I want to talk a little bit about the cat. Oh, Master Ren, like the flurkins that are that keep popping up. <laughs> Master Ren is the most sarcastic, sassy cat I have ever seen in a piece of literature. He is. Is he the one that's the tabby that's in, that she keeps talking to in the in the first few? Yeah, years? he's the one that's following her around. Um, and like I mentioned, the cats were used as spies, so Maika doesn't fully trust Master Ren, but he keeps helping her out of bad situations. Well, no one trusts the cats, though. Like no one does. Right. Um, and. So Master Ren helps her, but she's also like very concerned he's reporting back to one faction or another, and she doesn't know who. And um, we learn that at the end of the, the first volume. I'm not going to give that away because it is it is a huge oh my gosh moment when you learn who Master Ren is working for, because it's someone that you would think should be trusted. It's a big reveal. Um, so we don't want to give that away in case you want to go read this book. Um, it's from 2013 or 2014. Like, 
you know, sometimes it's nice to to revisit series and uh, from the top. But like, can we really do the no spoilers thing when it's this far long? Or right. super? Now you can be super kind to them. I'm not as not. I'm typically the villain. <laughs> so <laughs> mute your podcast for the next ten seconds if you want no spoilers, and then unmute it. <laughs> Um, so Master Ren is reporting back to Tuya, who is Micah's best friend. And we learned that Tuya is one of the number one people that's trying to end Micah's life. Uh, but like when that bomb dropped, I was not okay. Right. Well, and I think that really, you can unmute now if you can't hear us, you should. Um, I think that really, so one of the things that I want to, to include here marjorie lou wrote a letter about what her intent was with this series when she was writing it um she said the root of my desire was to tell a story about what it means to be a survivor a survivor not just of a cataclysmic war but of racial conflict and its antecedent hatred and to confront the question how does one whom history has made a monster escape her monstrosity? How does one overcome the monstrousness of others without succumbing to a rising monstrousness within? So when we learn as readers who is working against Maika, when Maika learns who is working against her, she either has to choose this bond that she has with this person or her own life. And she she's going to have to make a monstrous choice. And all of these characters, like even, even the characters that we want to love dearly, that we are supposed to be rooting for, have flaws, like such deep flaws. That, that reflects reality, but come on, like, at some point we, like, I just want to, the survivor doesn't have to go all doom and gloom. No, I, well, and I think, I think Kippa is like the redeeming light in this graphic novel. Girl. Yeah, he's the little, or she, I'm really not sure of gender. Uh, Kippa is a little fox kid. Um, very, very, I don't even want to say like naive were innocent because Kippa has been through some things. Uh, Kippa has like percent in the positivity and the things yeah. around. And like Kippa, like even though Kippa watched the monster inside Maika murder people in cold blood just to eat them, Kippa's like, I trust you. You're still my friend and I know you'll never hurt me. And even though Master Ren is probably a spy and is probably working against them. Kippa loves to just grab that cat and give it the biggest hug ever. And so like, no matter how monstrous a character is, Kippa finds the good in them. And Kippa works to bring the good out of them. And so like, if this story had a hero at all, it is that little tiny fox child. And I just want to keep that fox so safe and hug it. And never let any of these other characters touch it. Because I agree with that sentiment entirely. She really is my favorite, or he. This this critter, this per, this humanoid is is definitely my favorite. Like 
they are so incredible and they they help drive the narrative of the story and keep like it's that little tiny light that's lit in the background yes like when Great. when Maruka is captured by the ancient of the dawn court Pippa immediately is like let's go save Maika and Ren is like you are a small child wanting to take on the most powerful beings in the arcanic and Pippa's like, I can do it. For Micah, I'll do it. Micah saved me from the slave trade. Let's go. And like, yeah. that just, I was so scared. I was like, please, you spy cat, don't let this little baby get hurt. <laughs> um, Master Ren kept Pippa safe. And so like, even though Master Ren is a questionable character, Pippa's desire to help others forced Master Ren to acknowledge that desire in himself to help keep Pippa safe. Yeah. And that just makes my heart so happy that Kippa can do this everywhere Kippa goes. It's a, it's a special kind of uh, trait that someone has to have to go through some shit and still, still be cheery. And I'm very yes. jealous of it. <laughs> I don't have that trait. No, I don't either. Um, monstrous, the monstrous who the book is titled after also doesn't because her, her, like her most well-known quote is, there's more hunger in the world than love. Like yeah. I, I, when I look up monstrous on Google, that's what I keep seeing. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to remember that like in war, there are no winners. And so I think that's one reason like power plays a big part of this. Well, there are winners because winners write the history. Like she's such an unreliable narrative as as we're kind of wrapping up here that's why she's such an unreliable narrative is that she can't she's not they're not the winners here like as of at this point in the storyline the humans and the witches have overtaken the arcanics yes but for whatever reason Micah doesn't have access to that history either and so, so yes, like she is on the losing side, so that's why she doesn't have access to the history. Well, yeah, well, she, she doesn't even really know that she's volume one. I don't know anything past volume one because I hate this book. But okay, I won't ruin anything in volume two on the off chance you ever are tricked into reading it by us rolling it. <laughs> You guys are hearing us disagree a little bit, but you know it's okay. We're allowed to like different things. I know. <laughs> I can't. I I read novels and I read books and I watch movies and TV to escape reality. And you know, like I don't have the the racial injustices, but I'm I'm a two time rape survivor and an abuse survivor. And you also have your own survivor stories. And it's just, this isn't something, some people can read stuff and be empowered because that helps them process what happened. But with me, I don't need a constant reminder of all this shit. And I don't like, and on top of that, the whole, the witch factor, like, I don't like to read a lot of books or stories or anything where the witch is constantly vilified to the point where everyone, even 
the the monsters and the monstrous are are negatively talking about about magic and witchcraft and witches. Like it, we don't need. I don't. I don't. I don't choose to support more of that because every single fucking story and movie out there automatically demonizes. Yeah. Giant fucking boobies. Like, <laughs> like, you know, you were talking about the boobs for, for Micah being all cool, but the, the witches aren't like they're who no, no skinny lady has boobs that are triple fucking D's without there being some, you know what I mean? I just, uh. That's Maybe all of the organic ilium they ingest like grows their. Maybe it's like a hormone for them. The ilium. I mean, like Sophia, like right off the top, she's got like triple D boobs, and she's got yeah. a twenty-inch waist. Yeah, the the uh, they're definitely like Barbie shaped, not coloring, but Barbie shaped for sure. Yeah, but anyway, that that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> is there is there a, a positive note you want to end on with monstrous instead of my um, little dump there? My 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 positive my positive takeaway about monstrous is even if you hate being confused and don't like stories with darkness. Just pick it up and look at the art and your day will be better because this is probably like in terms of comics that have come out in the last 25 years, I would say that this is the most in-depth detail oriented artwork I have ever seen come out of the comic book industry. And since my husband reads like 40 titles a week, I see a lot of comic book art now and this one is still by far and away the most artistically minded without losing any story in the process or without overwhelming the story. I agree with that sentiment entirely. It is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. And that's coming from somebody who does not like the comic. It's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Like you feel every emotion. You are totally in, in that world. You are completely immersed in that world. She does such a great job with that. And if you like, Historical fiction, although this is a completely fictionalized world with a fictionalized war, um, Marjorie Liu also based it in part off of her grandparents' experience um, with the Japanese invasion of China during World War II. So a lot of what the characters are personally experiencing um, was related to Marjorie Liu by her grandparents when she was growing up. So she's also like pulling on their experiences to write this narrative to keep it realistic in a time of of war between peoples. And again, why I don't really want to say, like, just because it isn't for me does not mean it's not very well done. It is very well done. I just, I just don't want it. But yeah, definitely check it out. Um, we, we, because I feel, feel so like strongly and passionately about witchcraft not being demonized, our business plug of the uh, week is Curiosities, which is a metaphysical shop here in Knoxville, Tennessee. They also do shipping, so you can you can get there. But it's located in Sono, South Knox, off of Chapman Highway. They offer metaphysical supplies, occult goods for curious folks on their spiritual journey. 
It's a pagan store carrying supplies for all practitioners of all different alternative faiths and practices, including witchcraft and hoodoo. Uh, we they they also sell herbs, oils, candles, books, incense, jewelry, magical tools, arrow, runes, pendulums, all that good stuff. Vintage pieces. Um, so many of them are handmade and locally produced magical items by different artists or witches in our community here. And they also host and teach classes and workshops when it's not Corona periods. Uh, they do Reiki and energy work and intuitive spiritual counseling um, by appointment. So definitely check them out. We're going to have their uh, business page in our show notes. And I, I feel, Heather, I've, I've been to, I've been a, a proponent and a witch in Curiosities for a really long time, several years. And I feel like I've dragged you to uh, a ritual here or there. Yeah, you have. I've really enjoyed the wel- welcomingness of their shop and their their employees. Because even as a as a non customer going to something with you there, it I've never felt like people are like, "Who are you? Why are you here? Is this nice for you?" Like they're always just so much like we're happy you're here and we're happy you're going to experience something with us today. And that's just such a nice feeling. Well, and Malia, she's the shop owner and the one frequently there. She is such an incredible human being. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like, you don't have to practice witchcraft. You're you're a Buddhist. You know, you, you can go in from any walk of life and find something there. And she's just there to try to, like, her 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 game is just boosting energy and making everyone feel comfortable, secure, and happy where they are and to make their lives better. Yeah, it's probably one of the most welcoming spaces I've ever been to in Knoxville. Um, they're they're actually currently working on a mural on the outside of their building, like a painting mural for the community. So for human yeah, rights, yeah. and yeah, really cool. Um, again, we we are not we don't get paid for our business plugs. We are not. This isn't advertisement. This is just Heather and I both feel so strongly about using whatever platform we have, even if it's just this and we have five listeners for all of time, you know, we reach those five listeners and we, we tell them something new and we just put out in the world something awesome that we love about our community. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important to support the community in any way you can, especially right now when so many shops do have limited hours or limited ability to serve customers. Like, we should be supporting them all the time, but definitely right now. Agreed. Otherwise, these places that we love aren't going to continue to exist in our communities. I agree on that entirely. Um, she, she, like, get things online. Everyone, everyone is doing curbside pickup. Just support the people that you love and, and just maybe not Amazon <laughs> as much. I mean, it has its time and place, but come on, you know. Uh, so do you want to do you want to roll up, Heather? Because I rolled for monstrous. Yes. Let's see here. I rolled a uh, fourteen. Uh, fourteen. Oh, here we have. We have put because we just we rolled fourteen for monstrous. And our replacement, you're going to die laughing. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, Beetlejuice's handbook for the recently deceased. 
<laughs> yes. You uh, you put that on the list, and I was really surprised to see you put that on your list because you're usually not the person that knows what that is. Um, I still don't know what that is. It was my husband's recommendation, so no. I'm about to learn a whole lot. <laughs> we'll hear that for our viewers <laughs> or listeners. <laughs> He's going to be so happy that we wrote this. If you guys have suggestions on what we can put on the list, we'd love to make you happy too, even if we know nothing about it. I mean, like, that's part of some of the stuff that we've done. I've been like, I do not want to do that. And then I've been very pleasantly happy. <laughs> Great. So uh, let's roll our drinks. Okay, I rolled uh, two. Two. you re-roll because I was very inspired by your very like you stayed on point today with monstrous so why, why don't you roll again I don't I don't want you to have that let's put it that way was it water please tell it was, me it wasn't water. it was strawberry milk oh and I love strawberry I milk it's one of my favorite drinks on the whole planet and I don't like that you don't like it so roll again oh, I do love strawberry milk I had it for breakfast this morning why is it your number two well you gotta start somewhere. No, that's you, you put your things you don't like at the bottom. Okay, what was your second roll? Um, a nineteen. Oh shit, girl, you get a diet coke. <laughs> Are you gonna fly when you're done being pregnant? I'm so ready to be done. Okay, I'm rolling. Hell yes, I rolled a cocktail and a can. Woot. I only rolled a six, so I didn't do much better. But I just love cocktails in a can. I think it's my guilty little pleasure. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I am with strawberry milk because I am intolerant. So I'm going to pay for it at some point today. But it tastes so good. Nice. Yeah, I think that we should update our list because we keep updating our um our reading list so i think we should update our drinking list too yeah you should put less cheap gas station beer on yours i mean like it's not a quiet place i'm definitely gonna take Coors light off like <laughs> <laughs> three times and i have to keep i've had one Coors light and i've re-rolled the other two uh yeah but here we go all right so we okay. are doing our thing um right. and it looks like we're gonna be reading a handbook for the recently deceased for next time we had another fun one-off today here at Adventure Seed Podcast. Follow our quest, Adventure Seed Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you get podcasts by searching for Adventure Seed Podcast. May the dice always be in your favor. Roll well. To the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal. As a roofing contractor, where do you want to take your business? Financial stability? 
consistent growth? Or are you working towards a nicer house, a way to pay for your kid's college? Wherever you're going, GAF has contractor programs and tools to help you get there. Fast and affordable digital measurements, rewards programs, weather alerts, expert training, steep slope and low slope roofing products, all to help you grow your business. To find out more, visit GAF.com slash get there.